Thank you so much for having me. My name is Alex. Um, they, them, or she, her pronouns, it's all good. Um, I am indigenous. I'm Alaskan native. Um, I'm also black and Portuguese and Romani and a couple other European things. Um, so I'm definitely a mix. Um, and so I'm just really happy to, to share my story. Um, I have a lot of indigenous influences because that's obviously uh, where I went to college uh, predominantly for six years. Um, and then in my uh, research, I study diseases of the brain and disorders of the brain that affect American Indians and black folks uh, mostly. So I'm definitely carrying that over. Um, and I, I also have a group called Black Lawrence that I work with uh, Black Lives Matter and I do some stuff with that as well. Um, but I'm really happy to be brought here. Um, let's see. Um, so before I start talking about some of the stuff that's in my presentation, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about some definitions because a lot of American Indians and Alaskan Natives have different kind of ideas as far as what a word might be defined as, as opposed to the common English uh, definitions. Um, obviously, a lot of us lost our languages, and so we are forced to use um, English to kind of describe things that English wasn't designed to describe, and it gets it gets really complicated, so um, to make it a little bit easier, I just kind of outlined some definitions here. Um, a relationship is any connection to another person and also to ourselves. We have a relationship with ourselves, and that's something that often takes the back burner, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in the presentation, especially for women, um, for, for mothers, and for people that are forced to put their own selves and well-being um, behind that of a family um, and a community. Um, also, person is any plant, um, animal, fungus, non-living resource, so like the dirt, um, the rocks, the magma that moves the plates underneath us. All of that stuff is a person and has a personality in a lot of tribal cultures and stories. Um, a lot of those things uh, play a big part in how American Indians um, and all indigenous peoples across the world tend to live and view the world. Um, it's really important uh, to remember that throughout the presentation, and I'll kind of add reminders because it's, it's a kind of a really loose definition that I think is different from what most people are used to. Um, and then a completed relationship is another really important uh, term for indigenous peoples because it's a connection where each order of magnitude has been like respected and acknowledged. So um, one example of that is appreciating uh, the water because water is life. And so when there's a hurricane and when there's a flood, um, just kind of remembering that that's part of the necessary process for you to get what you need and for water to be water in a basic sense. Any questions so far? Okay. I'm pretty informal, so if you have like a question, just raise your hand and ask me. So before we get into what indigenous worldviews are, I'd like to talk about um, the fact that there's kind of three basic environmental worldviews or ecological worldviews. There's the anthropocentric, anthropo means in Latin uh, human or humanoid. Uh, there's biocentric and ecocentric. And the last one, ecocentric, a lot of indigenous uh, worldview tends to follow that, um, which is very different than Western worldview and even Eastern worldview in a lot of ways, if anybody's familiar with those. And then some basic tenets of indigenous philosophy. Can everybody see around my hair? Okay, okay, cool. Um, some basic things is that it is very spatial based, not linear based. Um, we are very based in oral traditions as opposed to written down things, which has kind of come to our detriment in some ways because we were less respected and not seen as, as civilized because we didn't have that when in fact we could tell stories and could uh, remember things for thousands of years. 
um, which is really amazing and is actually um, more you know, foolproof and lasts longer than a lot of written documents can. Um, but you know, at the time that wasn't very respected uh, when uh, the settlers came through. Another basic tenet is sustainability. Again, that earth-based uh, worldview, you know, the earth, um, as opposed to thinking about just in terms of what humans need and what humans view the environment as providing for them. Also this lack of ownership, which again played into the colonialism because we didn't think that we owned the Great Plains or the mountains. You know, those were things that were people. They were considered people that we had to respect and that we were not any better than. Um, we weren't better than the rivers. Um, we didn't do anything that showed ownership and we were, a lot of tribes anyway, were very welcoming to allowing everyone to live on it and everybody to be provided for, as opposed to being exclusive with the land. Um, another good thing to keep in mind is suspended judgment. So a lot of times native folks will think for a long time about something before jumping to conclusions. Uh, they'll really stew on it for a long time. They're very slow to, to speak you know, on something before they know everything about it, which again, sometimes played to our detriment because we would be hearing things and being told things, but we weren't reacting. It came across as a lack of understanding or that we weren't intelligent enough uh, to respond or have an opinion when in fact we were just trying to make sure we had all the information first. Um, very logical way of approaching it. And then we're also very experiential learners. Um, we like to learn by doing things, um, by actually being invested in things, being present in the moment, as opposed to just very superficial experiences. And uh, there's, there's so much to it. I could talk all night just about that. Um, there's also foundational ethics, meaning that we are the same people at all times. You're the same person at home as you are at work. And it's very important um, in terms of uh, making sure that you're being ethical. And I can talk a little bit more about that later when I get into the self-love discussion. And another really important thing before I leave is the, the open gender theory and the different shared gender leadership that a lot of tribes would have. My tribe had shared uh, matriarchal and patriarchal leadership and it depended um, on you as a person as opposed to your sexual organs. Um, you know, if you were sensed as somebody that would be good with medicine work, then that's what you did. If you were sensed as somebody who would be a great artist and weaving baskets or making tools for the hunters, all, any kind of uh, thing you can name it, um, it was more about the person themselves than gender. It, it's, it's almost like gender was like an afterthought, you know, more so. And um, another thing that I'll talk about um, with my music is that since I'm kind of seen as somebody who should do medicinal work, I have to leave my gender at the door because it's, um, in my tribe anyway specifically, and different tribes have different beliefs. Um, they do vary a lot, but these are kind of basic tenets. Um, but in my tribe, they believe that if I'm being a woman and I'm helping men, that I'm hurting them if we're in the sacred or medicinal realm. So I have to take on a pan-gender or no-gender uh, role in order to provide medicine and therapy for people. So there's a lot of, does anybody have questions about any of that? Go ahead. Why is this, uh, oh, uh, why do you have to uh, be pan-gender or, you know, sure. gender neutral to uh, do a certain task? Yeah, so he, he just asked, if, is it he? Yeah. He pronounced, okay. Um, he just asked, um, why do we do things that way? And why do we have to have a pan-gender? And um, pan-gender kind of means all of the genders. So by taking on a role that encompasses all of the genders, I'm including everyone, so as I'm giving medicine or as I'm playing music, which I'll play a little bit of it tonight, that's what all this stuff is. And as I'm doing that, I'm not harming anybody with my different energies. 
If that makes any sense. I can word it a different way if that doesn't. Okay, cool. Um, deep ecology is a pretty well-known term. It's not just limited to indigenous philosophy, but it is, indigenous philosophy, I feel like, in, like uh, describes it very well. Um, it's essentially an ecocentric uh, worldview that uh, the living beings um, of this world, um, like us and the animals, uh, should appreciate the, the, the earth and all the resources on it or relatives on it, regardless of how it meets our needs. A very selfless, um, a very world, Centric and uh, community-based and systems thinking, if anybody's a philosophy buff in here. Um, but yeah, deep ecology, I really like uh, The Web of Life by Fridjof Capra. He's actually a Western philosopher and writer. Um, I really like that book. I also like Thinking Indian by John Mohawk. Those are really good books if anybody likes to take notes about what to read. Um, I'd like to talk for a second about some issues with different worldviews. Um, Obviously, a system that's based on invoking guilt to get people to act in, in, in an innocent manner, um, anything that gets people to feel ashamed or to be afraid. And a lot of times these tactics are used against women um, in a lot of religions in order to get them to be a certain way or to dress or act or behave and speak everything a certain way um, based on these kind of negative reinforcements and how that can kind of be really damaging to women and also to people of color in these spaces because a lot of times people that have privilege or that have kind of a, a power structure against the people that they're trying to collect or trying to control will use these things and they'll kind of use, um, oh, but you know, it's in, it's God's way or it's, this is, you know, a more civilized way to live or this is, they'll use these kind of, you know, it's kind of a, a lie a little bit to control. And so something that I like about ecocentric worldviews is that since it doesn't focus as much on people at all to begin with, there's less of these problems. Um, another, um, this is a really good quote by Einstein, actually. Um, if people are only good because they fear punishment and hope for reward, then we are a sorry lot indeed. I really like that one. Um, any questions so far about that? Okay. Um, another really cool concept that comes out a lot in, in um, indigenous philosophy is ecofeminism. Um, basically, it, it approaches feminism and ecological conservation, sustainability, um, you know, ecocentric worldview with the idea that these things that started happening to women started happening to the environment around the same time and in the same ways. Um, I don't talk about it in exactly this way, but some people talk about raping the land. Um, that's not really how I talk about it, but there's some, there's some really good stuff out there about this concept if you're interested in how your own oppression, perhaps as a woman, um, has re been reflected in the environment as well. Um, a lot of times, like I've already said, women are seen as people that are supposed to provide and put themselves last, and that's also what we've done to the environment. We've expected um, water and oil and a bunch of things from it um, without really caring about being stewards back, back to it. And um, I really like this whole concept because it, um, it's, it's really intersectional. You know, as a Native person, it's hard to even be intersectional um, without having this, this worldview a little bit, like, you know, in including the environment for me being black as well. Um, and I just like how ecofeminism is almost an extension of that. It's a type of, um, of intersectional solidarity that I think a lot of people skip over, that the environment matters as well. Um, so I have a couple questions. Um, 
what are some of the ways, and you can discuss this at your table or just think about it on your own. I was thinking that this would be a good time to do a little bit of music as well, um, so you all can have that going on. Um, but the questions are essentially, um, as far as ecofeminism goes, can you think of any uh, examples of that? Um, even separately, I know that this is kind of a new concept to some people, so if you don't have ideas on that, that's totally okay. And uh, another thing is how um, anthropocentricity uh, values and ecological values, um, how have we arranged that in our society um, and examples of the way that we place human values above ecological values. Um, does anybody have questions about the questions? No? Okay. I'm going to get ready to do some music. And feel free to talk while I'm, while I'm doing this. I'm normally a pianist, so. But these are all synthesizers, like I said, and if you have questions about that stuff, feel free to ask me. Um, what I do in my tribe is I'll provide um, that kind of slow, um, groovy music so that, um, I, I do this at, at schools as well, and the kids will, I encourage them to lay on the floor and just like meditate to it, um, the, de the deep bass sounds. In my tribe, we have a lot of hand drums, and there's actually research that shows, um, in the neurosciences as well, um, that we tend to, to pick up on the rhythms heard around us and the tones heard around us, that there are certain tones um, that, um, and certain beats that provoke peace and uh, calm. And in the neurosciences, I, I see a lot of examples of people that are not neurotypical or that suffer from anxiety or any, any number of things and how music has helped them. And so I kind of ran with that. Um, and it, you know, being an Alaskan in Kansas and it being hard for me to participate traditionally and what my tribe is up to. Um, it's kind of nice to down here be able to provide kind of like music therapy for a lot of kids and, um, and for people. I actually have a session this week with somebody new that I'm kind of excited about. I think that they'll really benefit uh, from music therapy. So, um, but now it's time for the activity. Sure. I just had a quick question about that. Would uh, binaural beats, would they kind of fall into that category where you're talking about the science? You said the, the what beats? Binaural beats. I'm not actually familiar. Is, is there like another name for that or? I don't know. I, I just have come across it online. There's hmm. a couple different companies like marketing that as either. Had a way to write that down. Yeah, we'll talk. Let make sure I get a chance to write that down. I'd love to learn more. Um, by the way, I'm here to talk to you, but I'm also here to learn from you. Um, so if you have something to share with me, um, that, that's really helpful. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Any other questions? Before we start the activity? All right. Um, cool. So this is an activity, some of you may have done it before, but it is a relatively new practice and method in um, self-love building. Um, so if you have like a piece of paper or your cell phone or even just in your mind, if you have a good memory, um, just uh, think of a couple of the things that you tell yourself. I'll go first. I don't like the cellulite on the back of my legs. I don't. I've never, <laughs> I've never been comfortable with it. It changes the types of clothes I wear. It's terrible. Um, but every day I struggle because it's like, you know, it, no matter how fit I've ever been, I think it's genetic. It just hangs out. It stays. I can't, I can't burn that off. So that's something that I'll tell myself a lot of the time. And it's just a really negative belief to have because it doesn't matter really, you know, but it's nonetheless, it's something 
Every time I put on a pair of shorts, I'm getting ready to go to the swimming pool. Nonetheless, it creeps up. So that's just an example. Um, if that helps you um, to get started. So they could be negative thoughts about your appearance, um, about um, your own personality, maybe about your job or whatever it is that, that gets you down. Um, just take a minute or two to think about it. And if you're somebody that benefits from writing it down, go ahead and do that. I'll give you a minute or two to do that. If you need to phone a friend, that's also fine. You know, if you need to ask each other, you need to look up some examples online and be like, oh yeah, that resonates with me. So. Oh, also, I would like to stress that if at any time this, this activity is uncomfortable for you, I don't like to force anybody to do anything. So if it's not comfortable for you um, or you just don't feel like doing it right now, that's also fine. If at any point in time as I reveal more about the activity, if you've changed your mind about participating, you don't have to keep going just because you did this first part. Do I have anybody still working and trying to think of something? Yeah, you see how fast it is to come up with something that you think about like that? This is like the quickest part of the activity usually. You would think it would take people 10 minutes, hopefully. Like, man, what do I, what do I think about myself that's negative? But um, unfortunately, that's not the case for a lot of us, and that's cool. Um, the next part? Okay. Again, you can, you can stop participating at any time. I want you to find a partner, or if you don't work well on one-on-one, -on -one, if you need to have a little group, that's also fine. Um, it's even better if it's somebody that you know, as you can guess probably from the material here. They can be next to you, or if you need to get up and do that, that's also fine. <laughs> This is the scary part. All right. Um, you need to take oh, what you. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be my partner now? Oh, yeah, no. Okay. Um, you need to find. Okay. Hide it in yourself to direct what you wrote or thought in your mind to your partner. So now I'm going to tell. Is it Tony? Okay, Tony. When you wear a bikini, like I. <laughs> like I know you do sometimes. Yeah. Um, when you when you wear a bikini, I really think that the cellulite on your leg should make you think twice about that. It's so hard. I feel bad. I feel really bad. Yeah, it's hard to say that to someone. But you can say it to yourself. Yeah, but you can say it to yourself. That's, yeah. So take a moment. And again, if you just, I'm like tearing up a little bit. I feel so mean. Um, yeah, if you, if you can't do it, don't worry about it. You can always do this activity with another trusted friend or never, um, just whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever works. Um, this is just to get, your, to get you thinking about it. So just the fact that you're in here is good enough, so. All right, good luck. Okay. Yeah, okay. Hopefully your lists aren't that long, but. <laughs> the first time I did it, I had like 10 different things. Um, but yeah, hopefully you've realized, uh, like Tony up here has, that it's kind of about realizing that you will tell yourself things that you would just never speak into existence. Yeah, that you would never tell anybody else. Um, you know, and that just goes back to the indigenous uh, principle of you know that relationship that you have with your with yourself. If you're that abusive with yourself, um, you know that consistently negative and just not really creating an internal environment for thriving, um, then that's something to also look at as closely as, as, closely as you might look at something else. Um, and it's hard to sit there and introspect, 
Um, it's really tough to dissect maybe where these thoughts came from as I think about it. Um, the whole thing with me and, um, and the cellulite, we keep talking about it. It's, it's just my example. Um, but the whole, thing, the whole thing with that is that I had a mom that was a model and a dad that was really into the gym and gym training. And, you know, as you're, as you're raising your children, sometimes you have to be careful that, like, some hyper-awarenesses of things that can create negative self-talk is, is another angle. Um, I think that that's probably where that part, uh, that negative self-talk probably came from for me because I was just used to looking at, like, the perfect woman, you know? Um, she wasn't black. She was, she was just European um, and just looking at straight hair, perfect body, you know, all, you know, all the things that um, it, was, it was almost impossible for me to grow up and have. And so these little manifestations of just this negative self-talk, it's, it's really hard to sit there and think about, well, where did this come from? Was this in my family? Was this in my community? Um, was it at school, you know, friends? Like what, what happened to, to get me in this state so that you can really address it and, and figure out how to not have that anymore? It's, it's really hard um, exercise to do, but I encourage everyone to take at least one of those negative self-talks and just really think about um, where it came from if you don't already know where it might have come from. Um, any questions or comments on that activity? Super fun. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that, that's a good way to look at it, yeah. Desmond? I do, I do. I'm not gonna leave. I'm not gonna leave on that note. It's on all your notes like that. Yeah. Um, now I'm gonna talk about how to build self-love a little bit, so that you get to leave with a couple things to think about. And if you if you would like to take pictures of this of this part of the presentation, or want me to send you the slides, just just email me. I'll put my my email as part of the presentation. It's the last slide. Um, so just feel free to contact me because I want as many people as possible. Um, especially marginalized people um, and women uh, to be able to build that for themselves and to exemplify that for their families and you know their children so so that word radical is really important and I'm going to talk about why um, radical means going to the root or the foundation or origin of something and again like I was saying talking about uh, trying to find out where these things come from but also kind of trying to figure out where these things that are positive could come from. Like what are the things in our lives or parts of our lives that could be different or that we could add to uh, to create an environment of self-love as well. And this also goes back to indigenous philosophy as far as um, you know, really thinking holistically and then and, and, uh, systems thinking, thinking about cause and effect in a very deep, complicated, if it has to be, manner. Um, and then something to keep in mind is that you cannot pour from an empty glass. Um, this self-love endeavor is not just about improving the relationship with yourself and your own life, but it's about improving those people around you because it's contagious. It absolutely is contagious. Um, and it's definitely something that you can model towards younger people um, and people of all ages, really. But if you, have, if you have that going for yourself, people really pick up on that. Um, I'm sure you, maybe you can think of somebody in your life like, oh yeah, that's somebody who, who really has a lot of self-love going on for them. Um, so just some things to think about. Um, oh, and then whatever you think about yourself, you have the propensity to think about other people. And again, people means the, the environment as well. So if you can think that badly of yourself, um, you can possibly think as badly about other people in the environment. Um, so real quick before I talk about building it, this is another way to approach it. So let's think about like limiters. Um, they, 
are sneaky, and um, one of them is imposed at work. Um, you know, the idea that when you go to work, you have to forget about being a parent or forgetting about, you know, the fact that you're poor, you can't talk about that there and those types of things. Um, a good example is, um, like for me, for example, I've been asked um, not to come to work like this. And that was stuff, and that's, I didn't hear it just once, I heard it several times. Um, I actually heard it one time, um, somebody told me that I had falsely advertised myself in my interview with straight hair. I happened to have my hair straight because there was an important family event the weekend before, and if you're black, you grew up thinking, oh, when it's important, you straighten. Um, so I had done that. And they, they told me that I had falsely advertised myself as somebody who was more professional looking. Um, and that was like, that was so hard. Um, but that's an identity restriction, absolutely. That's, that's them asking, in this example, asking me to stop being overtly black. Because for me, somebody who doesn't have the facial physiognomy of a lot of black folks, because I am mixed race, I have a lot of native features and white features in my face. Um, for them to attack the hair, that was very, that was very specific to blackness. Um, you know, and there's, I'm sure you can think of several examples where you're asked um, to be different, you know, at your, at your place of work. Um, another thing to think about is the idea of foundational ethics and compartmentalization. Compartmentalization being a Western principle where certain parts of your life are different from other parts and you get this kind of incongruence in your behavior and how you get to feel and uh, perceive things as you're going about in your life. Um, and I love this last point. It's harder to love all of yourself um, when, you're par when yourself is in pieces. You know, when you have this one way you act at work and this other way you act at home. And there's a lot of, uh, I know there's a lot of issues for, for queer people and for people that um, are marginalized in their home. And that being a self-love restrictor that absolutely limits um, how much you can take care of that relationship that you have with yourself. Um, another one is um, obviously unattainable standards. We're not all built the same. And some of us have neurodivergence. Some of us um, you know, have, have serious health issues and things that differentiate us um, from these ideals that we see in the media. Um, there's, there's a lot in that, and I won't go too in detail. Um, but if you just obviously look up beauty standards and Eurocentric <coughs> beauty standards and all these things that are placed um, on women a lot of the time, um, to be perfect and to be to look a certain way and it's usually built around sexual selection the idea that women are meant to look in ways that appease the male gaze as opposed to for themselves you know um, obviously advertising and businesses um, use our insecurities to make money and to sell products so that's kind of around us at all times um, and often the media only shows us the best angles and you know, the positive outcomes and stuff like that. So we're not really seeing a full picture. Um, and then the last thing, uh, competition. And radical self-love um, is not about focusing on competition and more about focusing about your own internal environment. And I think a lot of us, especially um, women, kind of perceive ourselves as only being as good as the utility that we are to other people. Yeah, yes, yeah. That we're only and that we're only as good as the trauma and the stress that we can handle. That's another one. But yeah, yeah, it's real. Um, but yeah, it's just this the idea that it's not that we aren't worthy. You know that we're only we're a mother, or we're a wife, or we 
volunteer for, for good events and that, that's what makes us good as opposed to us being good without all that. Anyway, um, another limiter obviously is surroundings. If you have abusive relationships outside of yourself going on, it's harder to focus on yourself. Um, and then of course life events, which we are not always in control of. Um, a lot of times these life events are shared trauma as well. Um, so I mean, it's just, it's, sometimes it's even bigger than just yourself and it can be really difficult to, to get it all under control and to process it. Um, should I see if there's anything? Let's see. Yeah, just remembering that you have a relationship with yourself. Any questions so far? About to move on to the promoters of self-love. So we just looked at some of the limiters. A lot of times it's hard to even get into promoters um, until you've gotten rid of those things um, outside of yourself that are stopping you. Um, it can be really difficult uh, for some people, and this isn't always, usually isn't brought on by, the, by people themselves. It's usually outside influences. Um, but that says removal of obstacles in identity expression. So for me, that was handing in a resignation to that job that told me um, <laughs> that I couldn't come like this. Um, that, that was an intense, um, but you know, not everybody is in a position of privilege to do that. I have work experience, I have a degree, I can leave a place and get, an, to get another job somewhere else. So, but um, that is just my example of being able to remove myself from those situations uh, so that I can work on my, my own relationship with myself. Um, removal of abusive relationships and then adding that social support. Um, a church is great. Um, you know, other activities and groups in the community that you identify with are other great places to go for that. Um, also online, I know we talk a lot about like in-person in things, but going online, um, you can find a lot of support uh, for the things that you're going through. Um, and that's something that as somebody who was born a little bit before the home computers, like before everybody really had one in their house, like, like the way that they do now, it's difficult for me to remember like, oh, I can, I can go Google that. And it might even fill in what I'm looking for too. So it's, it just helps you. Um, so just remember, there's, there's stuff online. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, you know, so to say. There's probably somebody that's going through what you're going through. Uh, oh, yeah, and then just reiterating, um, some people can't go as fast as we can. And when we enter these groups and social supports, or even as we're thinking about things on our own, there's going to be others or even ourselves that have to go slower because we can't let go. Like, so for me, for example, when I was transitioning to natural hair um, from the relaxed, straightened state, stringy, falling out, balding state that I had going on. Um, it, even though it looked terrible, it was hard for me to wash my hair and not do anything with it. Like I felt like I wasn't fixed, you know, like I wasn't presentable. And that was really hard. Um, I had to take tiny steps. I couldn't just cut it all off at once. I couldn't not have um, hair for me that was hard, but for some for some other people they can shave their heads and then th and then that's their new self and you know on the on the drop of a hat you know do that. Some people can do that. Some of us um, have to like really make sure that we're taking care of ourselves as we go along uh, to building this self love. Um, another thing to keep in mind is that um, sometimes this kind of positivity culture. I know this this slide's really wordy. Um, but basically, sometimes that really positivity culture can lack authenticity and feel fake. So there's no reason to feel like you're past things or to just impose this kind of blanket of positivity as opposed to actually processing stuff. 
a lot of times that feels easier to just, oh, I'm just going to forget the, you know, this part of everything in the world that was leading me to this, to this uh, state of, of negative self-talk and everything um, and just enter the positivity realm um, without actually processing anything. It's, it's easy to make that decision. Um, and then another thing to do is to be really present because there's opportunities all around you. And if you're wrapped up thinking of like negative things or, oh, how do I look, you know, in this outfit is, you know, and uh, being really, uh, you know, self-critical. I mean, you're not listening to the things around you and you're not making as many connections with people because if you're not comfortable, I mean, are you sharing everything? Are you taking in everything? Um, so that's something to really think about and also to consider uh, therapy. Therapy can help everyone. If you have something really serious um, that happened to you and you just feel like it's ruining your life and like you just, you know, you feel like you're a burden on your friends always talking to them about it and you need to you need to go somewhere and talk to someone. There's professionals, um, there's, call, there's hotlines. Um, for me, that was really hard as an indigenous and black person because indigenous people were supposed to be like stoic and um, you know, kind of, kind of quiet and we're not really supposed to like need anything. We're just supposed to live off of the land and be independent. And then being native, you know, I'm supposed to be this like strong black woman that doesn't need anybody. And um, it just was really hard for me personally to think about therapy the couple of times that I've done it. Um, you know, and then just uh, also that trauma is usually a shared experience and sometimes going to those people and addressing them and talking to them and just actually getting a resolution. You can't always, not everybody's open and can communicate well, but actually talking to someone and being like, hey, you know, a couple of years ago when you told me that you don't really date black girls or that you don't think native people are intelligent or have that much technology to offer, um, these types of examples of things, um, that hurt me in the moment and I didn't have the words for that then or I was shocked or I didn't feel like talking to you about it because it was just that hurtful. Um, coming back to them years later, I've had really good um, outcomes with that. I've had people, you know, say, oh, wow, I didn't know that it came off like that. Or, oh, well, I think totally different now. I've totally changed that really bad outlook that I had before when I told you that. And just being able to know that, um, and it kind of gives you a little bit of control and power um, in your situation and in that trauma that you experienced uh, with people to be able to go back sometimes. If it's safe, if it's not, you know, if it was... If it was not safe, you know, don't, don't go back. Don't do that. So yeah, the, the formatting got kind, of, got kind of messed up, but revolutionary. <laughs> Self-love is revolutionary. Um, it's creative and fun. I mean, I love spending time finding ways to like myself. I don't know, it's just, it's exciting. And um, it's really fun to teach it to children. Um, it's contagious. I love the fact that my self-love spills over to the next person and then over to the next person and that people can just, you know, kind of build off of that. And um, let's see, I got kind of cut off. It, it adds to your life um, in a way that nothing and no one else can do for you. That's really important. Um, the most important gift that you can give yourself is yourself, is a really big quote. And then that's my contact information. The talk is done. Um, but if you feel like reaching out to me, you want, you want some of these slides, or you want me to come talk to some, at some other event, or um, you just have questions that you didn't really feel like asking out here, maybe you're not that, that kind of person, that's cool. You can just email me. I forgot to put my number up there, but email's probably better because some of this stuff, I want to send you links or something, so that's probably fine. Um, any questions? Sure. Is your music available online? Yeah, so I go under the name Bad Alaskan. 
because I'm Alaskan. <laughs> um, interesting uh, tidbit, the word bad used to be a homophobic slur um, in, the, in the English language, and it over time changed uh, to just mean, you know, as we know it, bad. Um, so I definitely took that because there's a lot of open gender theory in my music and in my tribe's culture, which by the way is the Aleut Alaskan. Tony reminded me that I didn't mention what specific tribe, but it's the Aleut from the Aleut Islands uh, that come down. Um, but yeah, it's a bad space Alaskan. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much.